Proverbs. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you two Proverbs today um, just because I thought they were pretty cool out of Proverbs chapter 1, verse uh, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instructions. And verse 33, but whoever listens to wisdom will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. Today, um, today's message, I think, is really, really um, especially going to be uh, what's well, designed, I think, for people who are discouraged. If you're hurting in your life right now, I, I really believe that the Lord is going to bring something of hope today. In fact, I want to pray over you. In fact, let's pray. Let's just pray right now. Um, Lord, first and foremost, thank you for loving us. Thank you, God, for your word that is able to find its way into places and bring light and life. I want to pray, Lord, for people who are discouraged today and all that that can mean. People become discouraged for all kinds of reasons. Our hearts are broken. We lack progress. We, we see something happening to someone we love. We feel weight and strain, Lord. So I pray, God, that something of the Holy Spirit would yoke with us today. That your, your, your word tells us, Lord, that your yoke is easy and your burden is light, which really means that it's your neck that lifts the weight off of the yoke, not ours, and we get to go along beside you. Thank you, God, for that. I pray, Lord, for something not of intellectual change to happen today, but within our spirits, your spirit would weave something of hope and life and overcome discouragement, I pray in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. 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 Okay, so today we're in the second message um, f- f- taken from the Old Testament book of Haggai. And uh, maybe you've heard it pronounced Haggai, that's fine too. Both pronunciations are correct. I'll go with Haggai. And um, if, you, if you missed last week, I'm going to take just a minute and kind of bring you up to speed and give you the backstory of what's going on. We started last week by going all the way back to King Solomon, who had built this um, wonderful temple, this house, this house for the Lord. And uh, people, it was amazing. People came from all over the world to worship God there and to um, honor God, and then actually just to see the temple itself. And, and unfortunately, um, at some time passed, and after King Solomon um, died, there was a series of events, and the people kind of started to turn away from God. And, um, you know, we often can get distracted in life, right? So they started to turn away from God, and as people easily do, including today, they started worshiping idols. And um, when they set themselves and set their feet on a pathway that was um, away from God, things just naturally happen when you do that, and some, they're not always good. And so a series of things started happening, and over time, um, you know, well, what you see happening is the Lord saying, ooh, this was not my plan for you, but it's where you wanted to walk, and there's some bumps in the road, and you start suffering some things. And, and God doesn't always step in and prevent that from happening. Sometimes he knows that we have to learn um, the hard way. <laughs> That's my way many times, and um, as I, I think wisdom is, as you get older, is to learn not to make those same mistakes over and over again. I've learned some of them, but not all of them still, because I find myself... Anyway, so um, things, things started happening, and they happened at a national scale. Um, King Nebuchadnezzar from, Bebel, from Babylon um, and, his, and his army invaded and uh, just pretty much destroyed the country, and they, they did a couple of things. They they completely ruined, wiped out the temple, and they um, took the people captive, took many, many of the people captive. And, and so they lived in, in, in slavery and in captivity for over five decades. And um, imagine what was going on. So they, were, they they'd lost all their rights. We talked about that last week. I don't want to re-preach last week's message. But they'd lost all their rights, the freedom to come and go and to worship and to do the things they want. So imagine how happy they were when um, a succeeding king says, okay, 
and he allowed about 50,000, 42,300 and some, I don't know what the number is, is between 40 and 50,000 people to go back and rebuild their temple. Pretty big deal that they were given that opportunity. And so um, they, under the governor named Zerubbabel, um, about 50,000 go back to rebuild. And, and their first priority when they got back was to rebuild the house of God. And um, so they got going on it. They, built, they, they laid a foundation, and they started building the altar. And as that was going on, they started seeing some resistance from the people, from the Samaritans that lived in that area. And so there was some trouble, and they just gave up. Now, this is too hard. And so they had started. So here's this foundation and this altar, but no temple. And not only do they not have the temple, but they're looking at this unfinished project. It's kind of a, it's terrible. They're looking at just, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a giant symbol of failure and giving up. And for 14 years, they did nothing on the temple. Now, in that, in that intervening 14 years, Scripture tells us that they, what they did do was feather their nests. They built nice, it says paneled homes. But it's like, basically, God is saying here that they were way, way more concerned about their countertops and their view and their landscape. This is a landscape, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, so um, their landscape, and they they <laughs> they um, they were doing. And so the Lord says, "Okay, I'm going to address this." And he, like he often does, will find a prophet and starts nudging. And the prophet sends his prophet to to restart these people, to call them back to what it was that they were supposed to be doing. And and so he makes some comments. He says, "You know, don't just focus on your houses. You know, we need to put God first. And so he, I'm paraphrasing there. So we'll pick up the story. In Haggai 1, starting in um, verse 13, and here's what Scripture says. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you. That's good news. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. Okay, I just overcame one of my big fears, and that's to pronounce any names in the Old Testament in a public setting. And you have to admit, man, he did that really. I can't believe it. I mean, I practiced this about eight times and never got it right. Okay, just, I don't know what that's all about. That's terrible. Okay, Shealtiel. Did it okay? Shealtiel and Josadak. Okay, so you know what? Those were important names to the people that are in there. And I always believe that there is some reason. You could study those names out, and you'll find that there's something wonderful about why the Lord decided to put names in the Word of God. Let's keep going. Then they came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. And we see in this little passage, God does something that he often does in our lives. It says, God stirred up the spirit of the governor, the high priest, and all of the people. And that's what God often does in our lives. He, you know, he'll, he'll often stir up your spirit. He gives you hope to accomplish something, and he, he, puts the, you know, he puts something on your mind, and he also sticks in there the hope that you can actually accomplish it. And God's doing this for this, 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 these people. He gives them a sense of faith. You know, we're supposed to rebuild the temple, and he stirs up their spirit. And this will happen for those of us that are followers of Christ. This will happen. It's a supernatural thing. There are going to be times when it seems like it's out of the blue, you know, I think we're supposed to do this kind of a thing will come up. And you have faith, and, and, and you'll want to attack it. And that's because God has stirred up your spirit. And so the, it goes on, the story says, they came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty. You know, we can do this. We can build this temple. We can do this. And a month goes by. 
and they quit again. <laughs> and they just, um, one more month, and they just fizzle out. <laughs> they had had one of these big religious festivals, and they were all gathered, and they're there at the temple construction site, and, um, you know, and they start looking around, and they go, is this really all there is? Is this all we've really got done? It's like, this is pathetic. This isn't all that much. And unexpectedly, they're discouraged, and they're embarrassed. You know, we're trying the best, and I don't think we like it. So just after one month, they just quit and they fizzle out. And I wonder how often does that happen in our lives? <laughs> you know, we're going to do this, we're going to attack something, and then we flame out, you know, before it really even gets started. I mean, <laughs> okay, so you know a lot of the examples that come up, I, I give them because I've actually walked them out, and so it's a little embarrassing some of these. But like, you know, have you ever decided that you needed an exercise machine? I mean, and here's how it works. If you want to really get the good one like the professionals use in the gyms, well, so you'll, you'll think about it and you'll prioritize your money and you'll write this huge check for this wonderful machine that's going to do the work for you. <laughs> you know, but it's going to also give you TV while you're doing it and you're just not even going to know, you know, so you think this thing through. And, and here's what happens with these machines, Okay. Go check them out on Craigslist sometime. There's a whole bunch of them that are in the cycle. Okay, and the cycle is if they start out new and somebody says, hey, barely used, and it'll be marked down a few hundred bucks. You know, it was $2,000 to begin with, and now it's like $1,700. And then there's, there's another whole cadre of them that are similar, and they're going to be like $1,400. There's going to be some that are eight, some that are two, and those have all gone in and out of the cycle several times. Somebody buys it for $1,200, and now they're selling it for $600. Et cetera. I mean, you'll go round and round until they say, please, it's free. It's at my curb. Come and get it. I mean, there was, there was this couple... In our lives, um, that we just don't run into them anymore. They're in a different town. And um, they had this, this exercise bicycle. It was terrible, a terrible bike. I mean, but it was a long time ago, so it was, it was what, what they were back then. And he had it, and then he says, hey, you want this? Yeah, so I bring it home, and it sat in our garage for a long time, and so I gave it to another. It's kind of like an infection you pass. You know, it's just, I mean, anyway, so, I mean, you just, you, you, you have the intentions... But after a month, you know, we just flame out. Am I the only? <laughs> so, I mean, it's like, you know, and, you know, and I don't know what it is for you. Maybe, maybe it's something different, you know. You know, we're going to get out of debt. We're getting out of debt. We're doing it. Then Christmas time rolls around. Oh, oh, forgot. We got, we got to do this stuff for Christmas. And all of a sudden, all this stuff's on the credit card. Or, yeah, you know, I'm going to go on a diet. I am going to go on a diet. And then you're in the store. And, and here's one of the things. Double stuff Oreos are on sale. And it's in the new pumpkin pie flavor or whatever. You know, here's my problem. One of my problems. I mean, I got, I got enough. But, but here's one of my problems, and that's what happens. It's, 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 it's this vicious candy cycle. Okay, you are looking at one of the biggest sweet tooths that God ever created. I'm pretty sure it's God's fault, okay? <laughs> anyway, so here's this cycle. So you get long to about um, September, and the stores are gearing up for Halloween. And so there's all this variety in fun sizes. <laughs> Whatever that means, I don't know. It's kind of like going to the ball game. It's a fun size. So, so you think, well, I, you know, it's such a good deal. Plus, there could be some kids that show up, and I can't just slam the door in their face. i got to have 14 of these bags just in case, even though I'm a quarter mile off of the nearest road. 
And then so now you've got these bags of candy, and you can't just throw them away. You've got to eat them because, you know, there's people starving somewhere. <laughs> and you think you've made it through, and so you get through, and then the stores, you're, you're, it, you're past Halloween, and now you're in November, at the beginning of November, and what do you know? All the Halloween candy's on sale for 80% off. But you can't pass up a deal like that. So you buy that, you shovel that stuff up, and you think, okay, I've gotten through the Halloween deal, and there's all this Christmas stuff. And if it's not in the store, it's your friends. They're baking things, and they smell good, and they taste great. I'm just getting into a, I'm just getting worked up thinking about it. And you make it through Christmas. I mean, you've gone now for months, and you can't stay away from your sweet tooth. And then, you know what? You know what the next part of the season? It's Valentine's candy. I love those little hearts. Not the ones that are tart. I like the ones... They're, they're pure sugar. There's, there's artificial flavor. There's nothing good in there for you. Don't you love those things? I do. And then there's chocolates. And I don't mean the chocolate bunnies. I mean the thick, the dove, dove chocolate. I'm going off the scale here. So you make it past Hall- or Halloween and Christmas and Valentine's Day. Then the peeps and the eggs and the chocolate eggs. You know, this country consumes billions of peeps every year. It's crazy. I mean, I mean, it's hard. Okay, or, or okay. here's another one. Going to the gym. I don't know how many of you go to the gym. Sometimes we have gone to the gym. And sometimes we go pretty consistently. We tend not to go to the gym too much anymore, um, although we have a membership. But um, we tend to do things just a little easier. We get up and walk, and we do you know, exercise, do different things. Not enough. Okay, I admit that. But, but that's not my point. My point is this. A lot of people, you go into any gym and talk to the, the people who manage. They will tell you the beginning of January is a madhouse. If you're a regular gym person, you can go in there and you've got your favorite machine, your favorite treadmill or bike or whatever it is. And um, so you'll go. But, but when January comes, you go at your normal time to your normal treadmill. And not only is it not available... There's no, no machines that anywhere available. They're all jammed. There's people on them all. But come February 15th, the place is a ghost town again. It is. We flame out. We do. We just we get discouraged because I've been at this for a month. I was only 150 pounds overweight, and I don't look like Arnold Schwarzenegger yet. What's the problem? And um, we just get so discouraged. And this is what's going on with the people of God here. They... They, um, you know, they're, they're, they're going to do this amazing thing for God. We're going to build this temple. And then when it doesn't go like they expected, they just get really, really discouraged and they give up. And God stirs up Haggai, you know, with this question. And I really think it's a loving question that he says. It's almost like God's trying to dig down and get to the root of the issue here about their discouragement. And if you're discouraged today, you know, Maybe you're discouraged because one of these two reasons that are going to, that are going to show up in this, in this next passage, Haggai 2, verse 3. He, says, he asks these people on behalf of God, he says, Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? Who here is old enough to remember Solomon's temple? That's what he's asking there. How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? <laughs> two causes of discouragement I want to talk about today. First one is comparisons, and the second one is lack of progress. Comparisons and lack of progress. And we see, you know, what these people start doing, they're doing the same thing that we kind of do today. They're comparing their start, their own start, 
with somebody else's finish. You know, do you do that? You compare your own starting part with somebody else's finished product. And man, that's a losing proposition because the finish usually looks so much better. Now Haggai, according to most Bible scholars, when he's, when he's writing this down, when he's saying this to the children there, um, was probably around 70 or maybe he was in his mid-70s, okay? That's when he wrote this book. That's when he was prophesying to these people, he was, let's just call him 75, which means if he'd been in captivity for roughly 50 years in real rough numbers, he was at least a teenager, young adult, when, he was, when, when the captivity started. So he had a good memory or, or had, had good opportunity to see what the temple actually looked like, Solomon's temple. He could remember the former temple. Wow, wow, this is amazing. You know, this is just so crazy. There's this sense of comparison. Comparison is what, what starts happening. And I don't know what happens to you, but I can get really discouraged when I start comparing. I can, you know. Uh, well, he's got this great job, and he's got this amazing car, and, you know, he's got this fantastic house, and, you know, I hate my job. My car barely runs, and, you know, I'm renting in a terrible neighborhood. I mean, we start comparing these things, and maybe you're comparing with, you know, another mom's kids versus your kids. You know, her kids go to school in matching outfits. They have fresh, hot, baked things they take with them every day, and, and their children have college credit in the fifth grade. <laughs> And your kids are barely dressed at all. They forgot their lunch money, and they're flunking study hall, okay? So, I mean, we, you, you look on Facebook, and you see, you know, wow, she, she got invited to this thing, and I didn't get invited, and, you know, he's on a vacation again this third time this year, and I can't even hardly afford Cheerios, and she's getting all these, you know, wonderful likes on her sunset picture and my sunset picture is actually better than the one Lisa took and and you know maybe this maybe 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 you think you're an artist and maybe you like to draw lions but when you draw your drawing comes out more like this <laughs> what's wrong with me what is wrong with me and you're asking these comparison questions okay so so we we just compared and we just just like the children of Israel did you know, there's this pathetic attempt to build going on and what they're doing pales in comparison to what the temple had been before. They remember Solomon's temple. We're a failure and they're just discouraged. Then there's also a lack of progress. And that's also happening to them. You know, and it's been a month and it doesn't seem like it's going all that well. You know, we're trying hard, but we're not getting anywhere. And that can often be how you and I feel. You know, you say, well... I'm, I'm going to lose weight, you know, and you're doing well. And for an entire month, you eat nothing but kale and sawdust. <laughs> kale and sawdust. You get your fiber. And, um, you know, you check it out. And after that month, you've, lost, you've gained two pounds. You haven't lost anything. You know, what happened? I'm trying so hard. This is crazy. It's just not working. Or, or maybe there's just you have this sense of a generalized, just this kind of sense of a lack of spiritual growth in general. You think, you know, I've been a Christian for all this time, and, you know, I, I still say words I don't want to say. And you cussed all the way to church today because you were late. I mean, it's like, you know, or you think, you know, by now, this time in my life, by this season, I would be better off. I would have, you know, and, and, and I, you just wake up one day and, 
You know, you're just incredibly discouraged. I'm not where I thought I would be. You know? You find yourself feeling the way these people felt. And they're thinking, I'm just not even sure it's worth it. I just don't even want to try this anymore. I just not, and, 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 and in a group of people, you know, this size in, in our room today, some of you are right here in your life today. You're right here right now. And you're thinking, you know, I'm going to give up on my marriage. I just, you know, I'm trying to put up with this fill-in-the-blank kind of person who I'm married to, and they're just not even trying. And I'm just tired of being the only one, and I'm not getting anywhere with any of this. And, you know, or, or maybe you're praying for your kids, and, you know, you're, you're giving them good advice. You're doing everything that you can for them. And you want your children to make good decisions. But then you look at some of the things that they decide to do and you think, you know, could you be any thicker than this? I mean, you're however you would say this. I mean, you don't say it to them, by the way. You just, you're thinking this because you're being honest with yourself. And, and it's discouraging because you've done everything you know to do to try to help them. And you can see where they're headed. You can see where these steps take them. And you're thinking, you know, I can help you avoid something really bad. And they won't even listen to you. And you know how to get to them and you're feeling discouraged. Or or spiritually, maybe you've been trying to overcome one specific sin. And you look back and you may think, I've been walking with Jesus for a really long time. And I've still got this thing I'm dragging along with me. And, you know, I'm just never going to overcome this. And you get just discouraged. Personally, you know, Pastors can live with some of this too. I mean, I don't want to, you know, we can live with a, a, maybe sometimes even a, a continuing low grade kind of discouragement. I mean, I mean, sometimes it's high grade or medium too, I suppose. But I mean, personally, my number one area of discouragement is is um, I'm, I'm I get discouraged at my own sinfulness. You know, I mean, I I'm just think, you know, I'm a Jesus follower. I'm a pastor. I'm a leader. I should be fine. I should not make any mistakes, and I should be perfect. And I don't. I understand how stupid that sounds, but you know that's kind of how I thrash about myself, and I and I and I look at things, and, and I think, and I'm still doing that, and I'm still failing, and it just drives me, you know. I, and 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 most, like like most pastors, I feel somewhat of a divine sense of responsibility for you, you know. I do. I I, I really feel like I understand that Jesus is the shepherd, the shepherd, but Scripture also teaches that he that the Lord appoints people to under-shepherd and to lead. And, to, and So I have some responsibilities. It's my job to help you understand the Word of God and to help you live faithfully as, as possibly. And, and sometimes it just doesn't feel... I'm not thrashing. I'm just, sometimes it doesn't feel like I'm very effective at it. I mean, I, I know in some cases I try hard and I still see, and I, I see marriages and I invest in them and I try really hard. And then I watch. And I've had people say to me, I don't care what the Word of God says. And they grab the controls of their little marriage airplane and they auger, I can see them, they're going to auger right into the side of a mountain. And, 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 and I, I just, it just drives me crazy. It, it, it wrecks me. It kills me to watch that happen. Too much intensity, Terry. I mean, I, or, or, or here's something else. I mean, I know that there are times when any church, including this church, just doesn't deliver. Someone will say, well, you know, this happened to me in the church, and I was, I've, I was really hurt by this, and the leader did this, or the worker did this, or Terry, you did this, and, and I think, yeah, you know, you're right. We've failed you. 
And, and, and we do. I mean, it grieves me when we let somebody down. I mean, and you're probably wondering, Terry, why are you telling all this? We feel terrible. We want to go in the basement. You know, you dig, let's sing the blues or something to feel better. And, um, you know, I, it's not that I want to whine. I, I'm not trying to whine to you, and I'm not trying to garner some sort of pity or anything. I just want you to understand something. This is common to every one of us. All of us are here sometimes where we get discouraged. All of us want to give up and flame out after a month. All of us. Nobody's immune from this. So what do you do when you find yourself constantly discouraged? I'm going to show you what God tells his people to do and when this is where they are. And I'm going to ask you to keep your seatbelts on because um, we've got to climb a little bit of a hill before we get to the wee part, okay? All right? Um, so they're saying, you know, we're building this temple. It's just not going, it's never going to be as good, you know, as Solomon's temple, and, and we're doing the best we can. It's just never going to be good enough. And, and God gives them the most loving and simple instructions. Now, remember last week um, where, um, you know, if you weren't here, it was, he said, you know, if we don't know how, they were saying, we don't know how to build the temple. And God says, okay, here's what you're going to do. And he breaks it down into some simple one, two, three steps for them. He says, he says you go up to the mountain, go up to the mountain, Two, you bring down the wood. Three, you build the temple. Go up to the mountain, bring down the wood, build the temple. Okay, it sounds fairly simple if you're going to build a temple. The three steps actually work for all kinds of challenges that we face. You don't need a lot of wood. Um, but you understand. Go up, bring down the supplies, do the work. Okay. So that's how easy it is. God's saying, you just do what I told you. you just go step by step. And, and, and along the way, you... Choose the hard right over the easy wrong. Okay, and if you weren't here last week, that's worth a follow-up. Our sermons, by the way, and the messages here are all free. They're, if you can ask for a copy or they're on our website, they're just free to download or listen to. You're encouraged to do that. They might even be on iTunes. I really don't know. Somebody takes care of that, and I just am grateful. Um, so, um, so, so, so you just decide, I'm going to do, God, what you told me to do. So they're saying, we're discouraged, God. You know, what do we do? Watch how loving he is, and this is pretty amazing. He, he, he talks to the governor and the high priest and all the people, and he tells them the same thing. And now we're in um, um, verse, where are we? Uh, chapter 2, verse 4. But now be strong, Zerubbabel, describes the Lord, descri- declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Be strong, he tells them, and work. Be strong and work. Why? And God says it here again. He says, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. Now, I've read that before, and I want you to understand, this is not God cracking the whip. If we stop right there, it's going to feel that way. It sounds like God's saying, buck up and get to work. That is not what he's saying here, so we're going to develop that. But he's saying, he's saying, be strong, Joshua. Be strong, all ye people. Be strong, governor, for I am with you, for I am with you. And what, what do you want to do? What, what he says, what you do when you're discouraged, he says two things. First one is be strong. Then he says, do the work. If I'm discouraged right now, what do I do? I be strong and I do the work. When you're discouraged and you want to give up, you be strong and you do the work. And here's some great news, the great news part of this. You don't have to do this work in your own power. You don't have to do this in your own power. When I worked a long time ago at Pacific Northwest Bell, 
Remember that company? <laughs> One Bell System, it was the solution. Bell System, we care. Remember that? <laughs> the marketing? I was relatively new in the company, and um, the supervisor and the manager got everybody together one day, and they made us watch these motivational videos and read this motivational material. And um, I could name it because the company still exists today, and it's, a, it's, it's, it's an attitude-adjusting company. But there is also laced within the philosophy of this company that you should have daily affirmations. It's a phrase. And you just repeat it every day, every day, every day. And like somehow you will magically be what you have declared. So the boss said, you will all get together and do this. So on company time, we would get into our little meeting and we would, we would say out loud as a group, we will sell more. We will, <laughs> whatever it was. I can't remember. I can't remember what it was. But it was the philosophy that I could, by declaration, become something different by repeating a mantra. It just was stupid. I mean, I believe in having a good attitude. I think that will change your results. Having a, having a good attitude is really, really important. But it's not some magic wand. You have to be strong and do the work. Because those sales didn't just happen because we chanted. I mean, and it drove me, drove me kind of nuts. Anyway, so we don't have to do this anyway in some sort of a flashy, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, affirmations kind of approach. Because the New Bible teaches that when we're weak, that his, his strength is made perfect right through that weakness within us. I don't have to buck up. I don't have to be strong in my own strength because I've got something supernatural coursing through me that makes a huge difference. The very same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the very same spirit that, that was like a pillar of fire and a cloud to guide the children of Israel, the very same spirit that looked at that sea and said, move out of the way, my kids are walking through here. That very same spirit that saw the enemy coming to kill his children that said, okay, you can go back together now, see, and they will see. Or whatever. Thank you for getting my stupid pun. It was like what was what. I mean, but but I mean that very same powerful God is right here. Not me. It's in. It's in me. We're going to see what Scripture says about that. He dwells within people who believe. That's what Scripture tells us. That that very same Spirit. In fact, when you can't do anymore, when you're at the place where you're ready to give up. That's when you are the perfect candidate, the perfect, the most perfect candidate for God's power to be strong through you. Be strong in the Lord and do the work. Be strong and do the work. Notice what, he, what, what you do um, when, when you get discouraged. What he didn't say, he didn't say talk the talk, but do the work. He didn't say dream the dream, but instead he says do the work. He didn't say compare the results. What do you do when you're discouraged? You be strong in his power, and you do the work, and you just put down another brick. You just lay one more brick, and then you grab and you put one more little brick in place. Be strong and do the work. And, you know, but, but at God, it's just not working. 
you consistently do the last thing the Lord told you to do. Whatever the last thing was that the Lord told you to do, consistently choose the hard right over the easy wrong. You put down another brick. That last thing, you put down another brick. You consistently do that hard thing. And it'd be easy to go home. It'd be easy to say, this is hard. It'd be easy to say, you know what? There's just not enough progress. God says, be strong and do the work. Be strong and keep doing this. Be strong and keep praying when you don't see results. Be be strong and continue to open up God's word every day to see what he will say to you today. Be strong and do the right thing even when you don't feel like you're getting anywhere. Be strong and show up and exercise even when you don't see the results on the scale. You know, even be strong and continue to pay off your debt. Even if it's $10 a month, you pay off the debt. Be strong and keep going step by step. Be strong and continue to love when you don't feel the person returning the love. Be strong and bring your best when the people around you don't bring their best. Be strong and be forgiving when the one who you forgive doesn't deserve it and doesn't return it. Be strong and reach out to that person even though they reject you. Be strong. Be strong. Love your children even when they feel like they're spurning you. You pray for your kids every day. You believe in their tomorrows. You still lay a pathway for them to follow of, of love and righteousness. You pray for your kids. You stand up for them. And, 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 and you pray, even if they're standing for things that you know are wrong. You pray for your kids. You be strong and stay in the game. And I, I know that there are people here in, in this room right this moment, and you've got a problem with comparing. You know, I'm not there. I'm discouraged and... I just don't have the progress. I just want to say to you, show back up. You know, lay another brick. Just pick up and put down another brick. Build, build, build. Show back up and do what God called you to do. Do what he called you to do. Be strong in the Lord and do the work. And that's why God's word is powerful in this. And we get this in Galatians 6, 9. There's this wonderful promise. One of the promises of God He tells us, this is New Testament, let us not become weary in doing good. In other words, don't become weary in doing the work. Why? Because for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if, this is a conditional promise, if, if we do not give up, if we do not give up, if we do not give up, be strong and do the work. Now, if the message ended right here, (laughs) <laughs> it would be just a, you know, go get a message. And I don't like go get a messages. They always bug me. I try to, never to do that because I don't want to just get you all whooped up and as if somehow I had the capability. I'd, I, it would be incomplete, you know. But God says some things here that are pretty profound. We have to dig down and grab a hold of them. Be strong and do the work. Why? He says, because I'm with you, declares the Lord. And that's the key to all of this, because I'm with you. It's not that you do it on your own, you do it with him. And that God's going to show them something that's actually world-changing, life-changing revelation coming here. I've read this so many times that I'm numb to it. I have to re-read this and see what's going on here because this is a pretty amazing declaration that's coming. God says something that they're going to have a hard time getting their minds around. In fact, um, we've got to get into their context to do this, and we might have a hard time getting our minds around this too. Haggai 2, verse 9. It says, The glory of this present house 
will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. And they're thinking, hold on a minute. God, did you, did you just misspeak? I mean, we know you're God and all, but the glory of, God says, the glory of this new temple that we're building is going to be bigger than Solomon's temple? There's no way. How can that be? We don't have the resources, we don't have the manpower, we don't have the blessing, we don't have the army. How can that possibly be? Even secular historians say Zerubbabel's temple wasn't anything in comparison to Solomon's temple. There's just no way. What are you trying to say to us, God? What is going on here? And this is one of those little uh, pieces of scripture that the New Testament really illuminates and helps us to understand. It's, 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 they had no idea what was going on here, and God was actually looking forward. The, the big word pastors like to use is foreshadowing. God is actually giving a picture here of something about a new covenant, a new kind of love. And, and, and they, 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 there are many places frequently in the Old Testament where you'll see a physical picture of something. Something physical is a, is a picture of something spiritual that's occurring. Okay, So God shows physically what he's going to do spiritually. He shows in the natural uh, what he's going to do supernatural. And here's how. And this is just, to me, this is... This, this for them was completely... They could not get it. It was mind-blowing. The glory of this temple will be greater than the glory of the former temple. How can he say that? Well, because God is telling them something that they can't actually imagine. He's, now, don't miss this in their culture. In the Old Testament... People had to go to the temple and make a sacrifice in hope of being right with God. They had to go kill an animal. They had to travel to this temple and make a sacrifice. And even that didn't guarantee anything. They hoped that was going to make them right with God. And if it did work, it's temporary. That's that's what they know. But in the New Testament, God does something that's crazy, right? He says, to those of you who are followers of Jesus Christ, you, you are actually the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body, your you become the place where the Spirit of God resides. Now, that's a whole big different deal because Everybody back then when he said this thought you have to go to the temple and you've got to make a sacrifice to experience God. And God's saying, no, no. If you're a follower of my son, Jesus, I'm going to actually dwell in you, within you. Old Testament, you've got to go to the temple, make a sacrifice and hope being right. New Testament, God comes to you. He makes the sacrifice so you can be right with him. And the Holy Spirit dwells within you. Jesus is that greater glory. He is. It's so quiet in here. I, I, you have to get this because I'm not going to give up until you do. I mean, because this changes everything. You don't have to be strong um, and do the work on your own because you do it when, because when you do it, he's with you. And he's not only with you, he's in you. He's in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. First John. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep putting a brick down and keep putting a brick down until we get this built in this room. Okay, so I'm not smacking you around or anything. I'm just telling you, I'm not giving up on this. I mean, I'm going to put another brick here. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are. Amen. 
If you are a follower of Christ, when, you, when the Lord calls you to something, the power of God comes with you into that project. He doesn't say, hey, Terry, go do this thing. Let me know how it goes. He says, Terry, go do this. I'm coming with you. Man, what a difference that makes. Jesus is the greater glory. The glory of this temple will be greater than the glory of the former temple. Every time you put down a brick in the name of Jesus, you glorify God. Every brick you put down in the name of Jesus, I'm going to do this, Lord, because you said so, God's glorified. Every time you serve someone, God is glorified. Every time you love someone, God is glorified. Every time you lift, you, you, you forgive someone, God is glorified. Every time you lift somebody else in prayer, God is glorified. And here's why we should learn to not be so discouraged, because we're not doing this alone. You don't have to go to the temple (laughs) and make a sacrifice in hope of finding God because he came to you and to me and gave his son so that we'd be right with him. Jesus dwells within all of us who are believers and he's he's the greater glory. You never really have to be discouraged because you're alone, because you never need to be alone. I'm gonna pray in just a minute. I'm not quite done. I'm almost done. Um, But I'm going to tell you this, that if you've never decided to open your heart to Jesus as as Lord and Savior, you don't really know this until you open your heart to him and your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You don't really know what it is to have the Lord dwell within you. And it's this very simple thing. God makes this offer. He says, all who call on the name of Jesus will be saved. Scripture says that. I'm going to pray in just a minute. And um, this is as good a time as you will ever have the rest of your life because you don't know what the rest of your life is. You might not make it home. I hope that doesn't happen to anybody. But a worse tragedy than that would be to make it, not make it home and not have opened your heart to the king because then hope is gone. So all you have to do is call in the name of Jesus and you do that by saying, I'm going to receive this gift of salvation from the creator of the universe. It's a good thing. And I encourage you to do that when we pray. Church, I want to say to you, don't be discouraged because you're not alone. You're not alone. He's with you. He's with you. He's, he's in you. Be strong and do the work because God says, I am with you. Scripture also says, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it to the day of completion. Let us not become weary in doing good and doing the work because at the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Galatians 6, 9. Let's pray. Lord, your word tells us that we are absolutely capable of doing every single thing that you call us to do. Sometimes it feels overwhelming. Sometimes it feels impossible. And God, that can be true when it's, when it's based on our own, our own capabilities and our own shortcomings and our own weaknesses. It seems so hard to understand a scripture that says that, in, that, that, that your strength is made perfect in our weakness. God, it's not because you're showing off. It's because you love us so much that you never want us to fail. You never want us to fall short. You love us so much that you don't want us to fall short of your glory, that you paid a terrible and a completely perfect price at the same time by sending your son. Lord, we receive him as a, as, as a gift. We receive him as the way, the truth, and the life. We, we receive him, Lord, as our salvation. 
I pray, Lord, for this day for people in this room who would open their heart to you, God, that you would put into their pathway, Lord, people of godly character who would help them with their understanding of you and that, God, you would put into every single person here in this room a hunger for your word and a trust, Lord, in who you say we are. God, I want to pray one more time for this courage, and I pray not that any of them have a sense that they've got to pull themselves up by their bootstraps, but instead a sense that their God who says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, Lord, that, that you will, by your strength, raise that weight off of our shoulders as we couple, Lord, in partnership with you. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Because now for...